All right, welcome back to another episode of Elements Live. We'd like to thank our host today. We're at New Leaf Organic Wellness, recording live here in San Antonio out at 1604 in Braun. Today, again, I'm here with Chris Mokin. and Hello, everyone. And our guest today is Louis San Miguel of MycoBuddy. And we're gonna talk a little bit about everything mushrooms. So, uh, welcome, Louis. Cool. Thanks for inviting me out here. It's the first podcast I've been on, so. Absolutely. <laughs> Just to start off with, you brought with you something very interesting. Can you describe what we have here? What that is, is a reishi mushroom. And the way that it has developed, that's because of low CO2. So if you were to like go online and look at different, look for different cultures and uh, other growers, with the reishi mushroom, when it has high CO2, it starts to create what are called antlers and some of those are preferred that way but once you start to introduce oxygen then the caps start to flatten and fan out and you get that kidney shaped fruit body that's you know popping up and they start to fuse together like that so that was off off the top of a mushroom kit that i kind of just forgot about for a while and i was like hey (laughs) let me see what it's going to do and i would cut the bag open a little bit and let it breathe a little and once they started flattening out i introduced more oxygen and it just looked really cool and it wasn't going to get any bigger than that and so what i did was i took that top layer off and just kind of preserved it dried it out and it seemed like a good centerpiece table piece conversation piece so i take it in my classes and stuff so okay so basically you can regulate the growth based on the co2 or oxygen contents yeah yeah when, when you're cultivating the the goal of the cultivators to well it depends on what the cultivator is trying to do but as a cultivator, what you're doing is you're controlling the environmental parameters and basically mimicking nature as best you can to allow the mushroom tissue to go through its life cycle successfully. And so introducing oxygen, light, changing humidity, and dropping temperature starts to shift the organism into its reproductive state. So it starts to consolidate nutrients and the tissue together and then it starts to produce fruit bodies and those usually reach for an area that has the most oxygen. And so this started reaching for oxygen where the filter patch is on these bags. And these bags are specifically designed for mushroom cultivation. And so you're always messing with the parameters. You can change the the growth structure in that way. Sometimes they don't like that. Other mushrooms prefer low uh, oxygen environments in order to initiate fruiting but some of them need a whole lot of fresh air exchange, like the oyster complex. So the oyster mushrooms uh, that you can find at the grocery store, those really need a lot of uh, air exchange when they're first starting to develop. Okay, and so at MicroBuddy, you you grow mushrooms or you teach people about mushrooms? or? So it's kind of a little bit of everything. Really what it is that I focus on is sharing knowledge and really kind of opening that pathway to nature and helping people develop their connection with nature and one of the tools that I use one of the main tools that I use is mycology and also plants as well plants gardening uh, medicinal plants mushrooms and talking about ecology and things like that and ways to work with fungi out in your garden so very simple stuff that doesn't take um, a whole lot of, you don't got to go to college or anything like that. Very simple techniques that can be u- utilized to grow some mushrooms in your garden, improve your soil structure uh, just by mixing up some mushroom tissue with uh, some cardboard is very is like a, 
a pretty simple example are using coffee grounds, using agricultural waste or uh, waste that you find in an urban environment. You can use that and when you combine it with fungi, it turns into a food source. And so finding ways to use fungi and, and utilize it outside and also really talk about how they connect everything in nature and how they're working underground very quietly, but they're the real reason why we're not, uh, the litter and all the waste is not piling up on us when it comes to organic debris. Because as soon as th things fall down in the woods, the first thing to get to it, it may be fungi, but there's bacteria and all kinds of other microbes. And so they really recycle everything. And so when you start to work with them, and what I teach is you know basic cultivation skills, uh, some little simple techniques that you can use outside in your garden or indoors, you're growing in a really small space. And what that does, it allows you to experience this organism, how it you know, goes through its life cycle and what it's really doing. And by that, in a way, you start, once you understand it and you get curious about it, you'll start looking for information about the mushrooms and stuff. And that's really the point at which I like to get to, or I like to see people get to, and then after that, you know, I'm just kind of, they become a fellow cultivator and we swap ideas. You know, I don't like to like hold people's hands. I like to point them in the right direction because that's really where, that's really where you learn and that's really where, you know, you're really empowered, you know. So we have so much information like at our fingertips. And so I like pointing people in the right direction. And if they need help kind of understanding the concepts of mycology and all the technical terms, which turn out to be really simple things so I kind of like in the that one class I was using technical terms but it's like it's just this and it's just that it's not too complicated so really breaking down uh, uh, you know breaking things down right breaking down that <laughs> breaking down that barrier of entry into this field because uh, a lot of these uh, techniques that are used for growing or developed and innovated by underground growers and they've become part of you know uh, normal practice you know such as using liquid cultures and self-healing injection port lids when you make liquid culture jars really simple things that you can find like in walmart and putting all that together and you can start to grow a large amount of mushrooms in a very short period of time with very little you know uh, input as far as money is concerned and so really once you start to work with fungi you'll kind of start thinking like one and you'll start making connections with things and then like ideas and your life experiences all kinds of cool stuff but more so you start to understand like what they're doing outside in nature and uh, hopefully they bring you out there because you know spring's rolling around and I really uh, encourage everyone that's listening once spring rolls around and we get a good rain to go to your nearest park you know here in San Antonio we have a whole lot of parks um, I didn't think that we had much of a fungal diversity until I went out there not this past fall but the fall before that and I was just blown away and I was like super excited and all I did was take pictures because I had no idea how to ID and like do all this cool stuff. And so I'd go out there and go off trail a little bit. You'll most likely find a lot of mushrooms along the trails because uh, when they sporulate, those spores are carried around everywhere by animals, insects, wind, water, birds, us. They get on us and so we're transporting spores all over the place most of the time. And so you'll find them on the paved trails on the sides. but. Going off into the woods, you know, it's always good to explore. It's good for the mind, and it's good to, you know, take a break from seeing concrete everywhere. And when you do that, you know, there's a... Nature has a way of, you know, working with you in the way it needs to. And so 
that's really, you know, kind of where I focus is just getting, just showing people this stuff. Like, hey, these look cool. They're like, what is that? And like, oh, it's a reishi mushroom. Like when I first brought that in, <laughs> I was like, whoa, like, like, yeah, like that's what they do. They kind of awe you initially and in many other ways. And, and then you just, you know, start talking about it. And that's one of those like highly medicinal mushrooms that's been used for you know, thousands of years in China. And uh, they're starting to become, you know, into the awareness of everyone here in the Western world. And we're starting to understand the potency of them, the power of their, you know, constituents. So getting, you know, getting that connection and letting nature take over is really, be, uh, really where I like to, where I like to get to and what I like to do, you know, for the community and for the world at large. Because uh, once that happens, you know, it'll it'll guide you and it'll guide me into where we need to go and stuff. And so that's really kind of my main focus. But I do use the mycology as a tool to educate and also going for walks. And uh, I grow plants at home as well, all kinds of different, you know, just regular food, lettuce, greens, herbs, all kinds of stuff. And I work with fungi and that stuff goes into my garden. It goes into my compost. I'm working with mycorrhizal fungi which is something anybody could do. You can uh, order that stuff online and it's just a mycorrhizal inoculant and you add that when you, you can add it when you sow your seeds, you can kind of dust them with it or you can, if you buy seedling or little seedlings from the, from the nurseries, you can inoculate the root zones with this inoculant. And what happens is that mycelium connects to the root system and then you put it in the soil and then it starts to grow outward. So it acts as an extension of the root system and is able to source a little bit more nutrients and water helping your plants grow. So real simple stuff, uh, nothing super technical. Not as of yet, I don't can, have an advanced class Can you talk about that yet, a little more? Because before we started you kind of were sharing some of uh, basically how if it's breaking down trees or something, mm -hmm. it's going out and getting more nutrients mm -hmm. that maybe aren't breaking down otherwise? Yeah. So, so there's always, there's fungi everywhere. And it's usually underground for the most part. And what we see is the fruiting structures. And so that's the reproductive structure. And that's what's primary function is releasing spores, right? But the tissue itself, which is called mycelium, and this, that's the stuff that's making, it, making its way into the soil and inside of trees and some, inside of us sometimes. You know, they can cause some issues when they get out of control. But since wood is such a wood and other materials are so complex that they're not easily broken down. And the cool thing about uh, the mycelium is that the way that it eats. And so when stuff falls into the forest and the leaf litter that drops in the fall, all that touches the, touches the ground and what's residing in the soil are microbes and also fungi and fungal networks. And so those networks will come up and they'll start to break down the material that's on the top layer. So nature layers and, you know, nature never tills, it layers, right? Mm -hmm. And so it starts to break that down and all those nutrients that are locked up in the, the wood, the lignin, cellulose, organic matter, they even weather rocks, they start to break those down, not as fast as they do wood, but they do break down and, and mineralize that stuff. And they translocate all that into the network itself Right for its own for its own good, so that way it can fruit. But it also translocates that to the rest of the soil biota. So all the microbes that are in the root zone, say of a tree that has a a, a symbiotic relationship with a mycorrhizal fungi, that root system has fungi extending from it, and it's able to source 
more nutrients, water, and minerals from the soil as opposed to the tree not having that relationship at all. And so since a plant can't drink wood, you know, plant needs to, uh, a plant drinks, you know, water soluble, you know, nutrients and elements and trace minerals. And so when the mycelium makes its way onto a food source called a substrate called its substrate, it'll start to break that down. And as it breaks it down, it channels it through the network back to the plant or tree uh, partner in exchange for carbon and some sugar. And so they live together and they help each other out and they can connect to one another, meaning uh, networks from one tree can connect to another tree and then they can communicate. So it's like the underground internet kind of, it's really cool stuff. You brought up yeah. a, go ahead. Okay. What were you saying? You brought up a substrate. Yeah. When we met, it was at a course that you were offering in a garden in the, yeah. and you were, you brought um, some substrate and you brought a kit. Can you share a little bit about that kit and what's happening there? Cool. So uh, substrate, like I say in my classes, is a fancy word for food, but for uh, fungi. And so usually the substrate for most uh, sap robes is wood, right? And so it's just broken down wood. It can be fresh, it can be decomposed already, or it can be completely composted. And those different materials are, they're treated in a certain way or prepared usually by either sterilization or pasteurization to break, uh, limit the other com competition that's on that food source, and we give it, we give the mycelium, you know, the competitive advantage by adding it to that substrate. And substrates can vary. What what was in the block that I had was just hardwood, sawdust, and soybean holes as a nutrient supplement because there's not so, that much nitrogen inside of just sawdust. So there was a supplementation there, and that's to increase the yields. Right, so you you can grow on plain, plain sawdust and you'll get yields. It's just in the industry and as you know, home growers, everyone we're all connected to the internet, so we all learn from each other, and you know that's one of those you know, preferred substrates to grow a majority of the commonly grown oyster mushrooms. Maitake, uh, shiitakes are a little different; those are a little trickier. But that substrate mixture is then sterilized, and then I added mushroom mycelium to it that it was growing on grains. And then I allow that to grow inside the bag and completely digest that substrate and inside those bags that I mentioned that have filter patches. And that's for gas exchange because as the mycelium starts metabolizing, it off-gasses CO2 and it's aerobic, so it needs to breathe. And so that's what that little air exchange is for. And then once it's completely digested its substrate, then you shift the environmental conditions. Like I mentioned before, you're kind of mimicking nature and you cut open the bag and introduce light, humidity, you drop in air temperature. The oxygen is when you cut the bag open so it has a nice breath of fresh air. And then when you maintain those conditions, then the fruit bodies will start emerging. And it's a, it's a living network inside of a bag. And even after you take your mushrooms or you harvest your mushrooms, it'll continue to flush more mushrooms. You know, we call the harvest a flush in the mycological cultivation terms. And um, after that, you can then use that material and expand it even more by feeding it more uh, substrate, another food source, adding it to cardboard, feeding it to straw, or adding it to more sawdust. And I usually just bury them in my yard just to see what happens. And um, if I don't get mushrooms fruiting, I'm still feeding the soil because all the nutrients, not, on, not just the supplementation, but mostly the sawdust, all the nutrients that are locked up inside that wood material 
is now inside of the, the actual fungal network and when you throw it in the ground it may it may recover and fruit some mushrooms but if it doesn't all the, all of that becomes food for the rest of the soil microbes like worms will come in and other you know pill bugs and all that they'll come in and start to eat that and everybody you know gets gets to eat not only you know they'll eat mushrooms if they fruit so if you fruit stuff outside you got to get there before they do which we were talking about earlier about the foraging animals you know they get to it first really because they're out foraging at night they're foraging all the time and mm -hmm. you know we're sleeping and stuff but uh so it becomes food for everyone and when it when that happens the foraging animals or the insects that come and either eat, uh, they either feast on the fruit bodies or the, the mycelium mostly if they feast on fruit bodies sometimes you know they got other flies and stuff they lay their larvae in there and they start eating and when they're there they're usually getting sporulated so they're getting covered in spores as the fruit bodies are releasing spores and then they go and fly off somewhere and as they you know flap their wings they're dispersing spores everywhere and so that's the dispersal mechanism of the fungi and so it brings everyone together and then it spreads itself it's really cool kind of like what we're doing here you know yes. talking about coming here and i'm talking about a few things and this will get distributed over a different type of network it's an underlying network you know there's a network infrastructure that runs underneath you know most of our you know our uh, society right and so that gets so the, these ideas and we call it you know spreading spores but we're spreading knowledge that gets redistributed through this network and if the conditions are right with people they'll be like, hey this is pretty cool i'm gonna look into this i'm gonna look up you know post amiots i'm gonna look up this i'm gonna go check this out check out a class grab a book from the library and um and that's kind of how it works and nature really you know kind of takes over and that's the, that's what i meant by nature taking over and letting it guide you and i where we need to be so all right, so, uh, so I know you talked a little bit about these growing bags and some of these starter fluids that if someone wanted to grow some mushrooms, they could mm -hmm. utilize them. Is there a, a simple kit out there that most people can just get online to do this? Or Yeah, yeah. I'm in the process of bulking up on my mushroom kits, so the production blocks, because I grow on a very small scale. I have a little area that's, uh, you know, it's got um, poly sheeting and I got a humidification system, exhaust system, and lighting and a, like a PVC shelf, real, real basic, low cost. And I got it set up and I threw like pounds of mushrooms in there. And so the kits themselves, the production blocks, I'm gonna start producing those and I'm gonna start selling those um, once I start bulking those up. Because uh, I know once people start to uh, grow them, they're, they're gonna wanna grow more because it, it's fun to grow your own mushrooms and it's, it's fairly simple. And that's the easiest way if you're, you're trying to get into mycology and you want like, I wanna grow mushrooms, the, the first thing I recommend doing is buying a ready-to-fruit mushroom kit. And there's a bunch of companies that sell these. You got North Spore. I don't think uh, Funga do this. Paul Stamets. I don't. I don't believe they sell the grow kits anymore. But uh, Mushroom Mountain, they they sell uh, grow kits and uh, sawdust spawn and things like that. So those are good places to get it. You can uh, contact me, and I have some stuff available. Um, I don't have it on my website yet. So you know, I, there's getting it out there and then there's a fulfillment side so you know i'm working on that as well but um getting a mushroom kit and they always come with instructions and they tell you how to basically mist your mushroom kit and <laughs> make sure it has uh, some fresh air exchange and light and you'll have mushrooms growing within a week you'll start to see mushrooms form once you cut your kit open and so there's the, those are the mushroom kits and as far as the cultures go 
for some of those listeners that have kind of dabbled and experimented with, you know, just growing at a basic level, liquid cultures can be purchased. And those are the, that's one of those other entry level ways of working with mycelium because all it really is, is a, it's a sugar water that's been sterilized and mushroom tissue has been introduced to it. And what happens is the the mycelium starts to grow inside of the liquid and it starts to digest all the sugars and minerals that are inside the water. And it's agitated so that way there's an airflow and air exchange and stuff. And then what you do is you pull that out with the syringe and then you basically inoculate certain types of media and stuff like that. And so people can get a hold of those as well. More advanced is agar plates and getting culture slants. That's when you start really start uh, opening up your game when it comes to cultivating. But I think that's... Now, compared to actually going to the store and just buying some mushrooms, is is this something to where it would be cost-effective for most people, or is it more of a hobby of something just to do to have the joy of it? It depends, and it can be, because a kit usually runs around $20, $25, and, usually, and they usually, they, mostly they come in five-pound blocks, so they're a good size of material, and those will usually yield uh, about two pounds, maybe maybe three over the lifespan of the block because it'll produce mushrooms you harvest them you let it rest and it'll produce more mushrooms right and eventually the you'll get diminishing returns over time because the food source of water is running out and things like that and so the subsequent harvest will be smaller and smaller but that it doesn't end there like you can take that material and you can grab some straw or a bunch of cardboard and you can break it up and add it to that or break it up and add it to coffee grounds that you grab you know, from your local cafe. And you can basically expand the mycelium. It's kind of indefinitely, as long as you keep, you know, keep it in the right conditions and continually feeding it, it can hypothetically kind of grow that infinitum. Eventually, depending on the conditions, they, the mushroom strains do decline over time. But you can buy a kit and there's a whole lot you can do with that. You can, you know, you can fruit mushrooms, right? And you have your mushrooms. And you can take the, the block itself and break it up and broadcast it on, you know, cardboard, sawdust. You can put it in the ground and see what happens. You can break it up, and if you have the proper tool, you can inoculate logs with it. And hmm. take, take that inoculate. Um, if you need, usually around the time when the brush pickup comes around, that's a good time. I like driving around, and I look, like, oh, I'll, sometimes the stuff's too big, but I always look to see if I <laughs> find logs that are, you know, a good diameter, not too bulky to like uh, handle, and I'll pick them up and throw them in my truck, and then I'll just come home and inoculate them with uh, mycelium, and that's a long, that's like the long game there, because they do take a long time to colonize the log since it's so dense, but you can use it for that, and then also, what else can you do with it? Besides breaking it up and doing that, you can, when you fruit the mushrooms, you can take the mushrooms and place them on a, I like to use foil, aluminum foil, you place them gill side down or pour side down, depending on what species you're growing, and you set them on there, and you place a bowl over it, and I leave it there for about four hours, and I take the bowl off and remove the fruit body, and you'll get a nice dusting of the spores that it released. And so you let those spores dry out, and then you can store those for later use. You can use those to inoculate uh, some sterilized grains or inoculate, usually we use them to inoculate petri dishes because it's kind of hard to get a clean spore print without any other, you know, floating other random, you know, microbes and endospores that are floating around. So you can, once you get a mushroom kit, you can basically, when you learn the techniques of cultivation, you either get a kit, a culture, a spore print or anything like that. And that's 
probably all you'll ever need for that mushroom. You can, hmm. in essence, you can keep growing it forever if you have the resources and you're able to by continually uh, expanding it or taking spore prints, which is like seed saving, but you're spore saving basically, and you just get those growing again, the mycelium will start taking off, breaking down more substrate, and you just continually grow mushrooms. So it can be cost effective if you learn the techniques like of cultivation. And even the most basic ones are they're not too hard to come across. You don't have to dedicate too much time to it. And like I have, I've just been doing this for, I just love doing it. It's just fun. It's just part of my life. Like, oh, I got to inoculate bags, you know, and I'll do that. What you brought know, you to that. mushrooms? Uh, that's a, I always get that question. And I say, I joke about it, but it's like kind of true Mario Brothers. Because <laughs> when I was a little kid, I started playing video games. And, you know, you hit the little question mark and then the little mushroom get, pops out and you get it and you get bigger. And I was like, what? You know, so, and I was like, whatever. And, uh, yeah, and I just kind of, they were just always kind of like been around, like they just been around in, in the mind, right? Yes. And, um, so the video yeah. games are to blame. Yeah, they're, they're to blame for all my uh, success. No, I was kidding. Uh, yeah. But, um, so it was there and then um, you just kind of hear about them, um, the other type of fungi that, uh, you know, they, they, they'll set you straight if you're not careful and so I had some experiences in high school and I was like oh my goodness I knew there was something more to this when I say this I don't know what I'm talking about life I don't know I have no idea I mean it was in high school but I know right and and it always kept me wondering and then I kind of just I kind of just left it and then I went to the service and um, and you know, they're you know, in the service, you know, you're straight edge, you can't really do much except drink or smoke cigarettes, which is kind of like you know, one of the two worst, <laughs> worst things you can do, right? Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, now straight edge in the, in the military, you know, I served my time and I got out and I was like, hey, you know, I, I remember this, you know, and I kind of revisited them and had some experiences and they completely changed my life and they really, if anything, they set me straight and they had to, um, you know, I had to get my life in order right uh just just life and it's really i mean that, that's a whole other deep journey conversation <laughs> but, but yeah and after that um i they, they they were talking to me and i started you know it was one night i was at my buddy's house and uh we were sitting outside in the backyard and he had this lot that was just like undisturbed right in the city in the neighborhood it was so nice and we were just sitting out there, and I was just like looking at the trees and everything. And I just started hearing, you know, it's like, hey, you know, hey, I'm, like, what? I'm tripping. I'm like, what? <laughs> and you know, it's like, hey, we need your help. And I was like, the trees are talking to me. What? And I was like, the trees are talking to me. I was like, that's so cool. And um, it's like, we need your help. And I was just sitting there, just kind of like nodding my head. And I was like, okay, you know. And, and then that was it. And it was nothing crazy, spectacular. But um, I mean, I did enjoy my night. But then um, later, I started. Um, I think it was like around spring, I can't remember exactly when, but um, there was like flowers and everything blooming and stuff and I just passed by them and I just stopped and I looked at them and I just stared at them for a while and there was some kind of communication taking place and I was like, okay, and I was shaking my head like, yeah, I, I kind of get it, but I have no clue, right? And, um, and so that really just led to me just working with plants and learning about ecology. Um, yeah, ecology, mycology, um, and I just started digging into books, videos, um, going out in the woods, just looking for stuff, 
and uh, just honing my skills over time. And I've just been doing that for a couple of years, and it's I've just um, really developed a relationship with it and myself and nature and also the world at large. And um, and then something told me like, hey, you need to you should share this with people. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you're right. I, like, kinda, I felt like I was kind of like keeping it a secret in a way um, because you know as a cultivator. Um, you know, as soon as you mentioned mushrooms, someone's like, oh, you, like, what kind of mushrooms? And it's like, yeah, 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 there's that. Um, but it's it's so much more, it's so deep, it's so much more deeper, and there's so many species of mushroom that anybody can grow. And, and so that's where I come back to the nature part, where I just kind of let nature take over, because there's going to be people that grow certain types of species of mushrooms, and they'll be chosen by the mushrooms themselves or by nature, and I leave it at that. But really, you know, that going back to Mario Brothers maybe, but you know, trust the fungus, like in the movie, the old movie with like Dennis Hopper and um, John Leguizamo, the, the actual movies in the '90s. You know, he's like trust the fungus, and you know, I kind of did that, and um, it's been serving me quite well, and um, it's been helping other people out, and so I just wanted to share that with everybody, and so I um, just formed an LLC, and I was like, hey, let me be legit, let me do this, and I just started teaching classes put together my own presentations and growing stuff and uh, getting cultures together. So when I teach classes, people get to take home mushroom kits, they take home cultures, they take home information and resources for them to go explore. And uh, if they need anything, you know, they can always contact me and I'm just sharing the information and it just, all because of Nintendo, right? <laughs> Something like that. All Are you teaching children? I haven't taught kids yet, but I have taught my little nephew and I'm sorry, my cousin, and he's like super smart, and I like talking to him more than the grown-ups. He is like just one of those <laughs> inquisitive, like those genius kids are just like scary smart, and he'll just like straight up tell you the truth. I'm like, man, that's funny, dude. You're so like, there's no filter, like so awesome. And he's really like, uh, he's really smart, and he really like he wants to be a geologist, right? And so he's like all into science and nature and. Um, I was showing him stuff outside of my garden, and he's like, what does this do? What's that planet? What's that? And, this is that? and he's just like super curious. And he saw my mushroom, my, my grow room, and saw like the oyster mushrooms and stuff. He's like, oh, wow. And then I started talking to him about it, and he, he was just asking all these questions. And it was fun to share it with him. And I think, how old is he? He's like seven. He's like around six or seven. So right at that age where he's really starting to like think, really think for himself, you know? <laughs> and... Uh, I've been, uh, I've been to a few places where uh, I've just kind of set up shop and stuff, and was just kind of talking about what I do. And uh, I give him presentations where there were some kids in the audience, and they'd ask questions, and they're like way more inquisitive they than the questions. grown ups. They're crazy, like, and it like, I'm like, wow, like I never thought of it that way. And I was like, yeah, like, they, they totally get it, like super fast. And it's, I was like, well, that's promising, that's nice, you know. So, but I haven't taught full on like a straight up children's presentation. That's in the works because I mean, I kids are funny and I like messing with them and like kind of tease them and everything like that but showing I can talk to them real big picture and nothing like technical and they'll totally get it and so that's something that's in the works I've, uh, there's a few organizations that have reached out like hey do you teach kids I'm like ah not yet I'm getting that together you know so they're funny and they're they're fun to they're fun to work with even with plants and gardening like there's something else yes yeah, so. the getting outside and the connection with nature that's why I ask yeah yeah yeah, and the, the zoo school, the Will Smith school, zoo school seems like it would be a great fit for that. Okay. I'm not sure if you're familiar with their 
Uh, but basically, that the building right down from the, the zoo is the, the Will Smith uh, Zoo School, and it's let's say it's like a, an elementary school. I could be wrong about that, but it's basically it's one of these nature-based learning schools where mm-hmm. the kids spend half of their day outside every yeah. day, rain, snow, or shine, <laughs> uh, and they just have a very interesting kind of curriculum. Mm-hmm. It just seems like a perfect fit. I know they spend a lot of their time going out to the zoo. Can you imagine growing up like that? Man, I was, the zoo every day. <laughs> we went on like two field trips my whole time in elementary school, and it was the <laughs> best day of my life <laughs> throughout all the school years. <clears throat> Is it like a Montessori? Stuff, yeah, it's kind of like that. And I know okay. that they are they are booked solid. The waiting list is ridiculous wow. for the place. But it's one of the first schools like that here in Texas. And I know that they're also they have a lot of solar panels and a lot of all that other stuff going okay. on there. Yeah, it's a pretty interesting school that we have here in San Antonio. Cool. I'll have to check them out. Are you a part of any groups? You know, you talk about foraging or I don't know any other even interest groups where you're meeting other mycologists and having regular meetings where you're sharing knowledge yeah the central texas mycological society uh you can check them out at uh central texas mycological society.org and they just formed last year and they're a nonprofit and basically everything mycology and we have meetings they're usually in san marcos but we had one here um, on thursday i believe yeah it was thursday and so we hold meetings here up in austin and that was started by Daniel Reyes of Myco Alliance, and he works at the Circle Acres Preserve up in Austin. And he's he's a mycologist and hydrologist, and he's been doing a whole lot of work. And basically, they set up a research station at that area, and using one of the local uh, mushroom farms, they were just taking blocks and putting them there to see what would happen, trying to remediate the because it basically used to be a, a landfill that was covered up, and so it was all quarried out, and so there's vegetation and everything growing back but as far as the vegetation there being edible it's really not safe to do that just because of all the heavy metals all the chemical everything that's has been down there and so they brought in also you know like uh, native plant you know experts you know putting in erosion control you know plants and things like that and also inoculating areas with sawdust spawn and the mushroom blocks from the mushroom farm and then also isolating the fungal species that pop up there just naturally in those environments that are actually contaminated and so those mushrooms that pop up in those areas are ones that we kind of look into for remediative purposes and so we're doing a lot of good work up there at the research station and so that's one of the big groups that formed and so if you're looking for classes talks ecology walks mycology walks definitely check them out Um, i'm on their schedule sometimes whenever i have stuff here down in san antonio or anywhere in, in central texas you know, we're small, but, you know, we're growing, spreading spores and, you know, getting together and stuff like that. So that's the one one group that I'm uh, putting out there to to look up because, you know, we got a lot of stuff going on. What are some of the species that you're, you know, growing often or working with? Yeah, mostly the oyster complex. They're easy and they're easier to throw to people. And usually the first thing I get is like, what's that? How do, how do you eat it? Those are the two main questions that I get. And so when I show them lion's mane, they're like, what is that? Whoa. And like, mm-hmm. how do you eat it? Like, so <laughs> I get those questions a lot. So, and they're, they're, pretty, uh, they're pretty easy to grow. Those are the ones I use in my classes. Yes. You know, I uh, get the oyster mushrooms there because they grow on, they're highly adaptable. They grow on a whole bunch of different substrates and they're kind of a foolproof kind of mushroom for the beginner. And so I grow the 
you know, a bunch of different oysters seasonally. I started getting the, bring my pink oyster and gold oyster cultures out of storage and get those ready for spring, um, tarragon oyster as well. And then I grow lion's mane. Um, that's the highly medicinal uh, mushroom. So it um, supports, you know, neurological functioning, mood, things like that. It's an amazing mushroom. I take it every day. I put the extract in my coffee all the time. And I do that because I read, you know, first thing in the morning I read. And so I put some lion's mane in there. So that way I retain all that information, you know. So lion's mane, uh, reishi, turkey tail, and... What you else? brought a couple samples of the turkey tail and the reishi. Yeah, yeah, those uh, are... What's happening here? So those are from... I found turkey tail and I found reishi at the local parks here in San Antonio. And so what I did was I took them home, I took tissue samples, and I got them cultured up on a clean plate. Uh, clean meaning there's no other contaminants, just mycelium. And so I threw, those in a, throw the, throw, threw those in a culture slant, and so now I have a native mushroom species preserved in my refrigerator, right? And so that's just in case anything happens to the environment, which uh, when I mentioned that, uh, I went to the park the other day to check on a elm tree that has reishi growing out of it. I always see reishi growing out of it. And I went over there and it was gone. And I was kind of heartbroken. And I saw the pieces cut up in the area. And I was like, man, what happened, man? They killed you. I was kind of bummed <laughs> out because I was like, I knew that tree. But what I did is I dug the soil up and I found some of the old wood. And it looked like it had mycelium growing on it. So I took that home and I'm going to try and culture that up. But the turkey tail as well from the same area. And what I did was I took it home and I basically did an alcohol extraction and I did a decoction. And you can do multifractional extractions on plants and fungi and things like that to pull out the you know, alcohol soluble constituents as well as the water soluble constituents. And um, there's, there's, you can go multifractional, you can get all the way up into spagyrics, which I don't know how to do. You need a whole lot of different equipment. You know, that's a whole different advanced level of extraction. But yeah, that's what I did. I just did a dual extraction with the fruit bodies. And basically through the fruit bodies, I cut them up, you know, to allow for more surface area. Uh, threw them in there with some brandy for about a month. And then after that, I strained it. And then I boiled the mushrooms. And then I used that water to dilute the alcohol. So I'm not taking shots of turkey tail brandy or reishi brandy, right? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, and then you have the, the medicine that comes out of those two solvents um, inside of there. And so... The, you pull it out of the mushroom and then you can you know take it you know in dropper form um, as opposed to you can use the dry fruit bodies and uh, make tea out of them you know they sell reishi teas and yeah that's kind of what that's what those are that's what's going on there san antonio medicine it's from the <laughs> from the park by my house south side lions park so yeah yeah we do got a um pretty diverse fungal distribution here um, you just got to go out there and look for them i found chanterelles turkey tail reishi what else have i found there's a couple of different uh yeah reishi well in ganoderma that's a genus almost i've found reishi at almost every park here that i've been to so far so hopefully in the uh, spring here i'm gonna go go around to the park some more see if i can go to new parks i haven't been to and uh, see if i can you know snatch up some reishi you know it's like uh I just got the idea of like Pokemon, you know, you gotta catch them all, right? <laughs> yeah. And you gotta capture them and put them on a plate and the plate's a circle, kind of like the Pokeball, I guess, yeah. yeah. But um, you put them on there, but it doesn't mean that they're gonna actually grow out clean, like, cause there's all kinds of other bacteria, microbes that are embedded in the tissue of the mushroom. And so 
Uh, when you, you do that, you know, you're, you're just trying to get the mushroom to run clean. And then after that, you can take it and then you can use that culture and expand it and put it into mushroom kits. And you can grow mushrooms at home and you can continue to grow this mushroom that you found out in the park by your house. So once you learn the techniques, learn the basics, there's really like, I don't know the limits. I don't think there is any yet because we're coming up with different ways to use the mycelium of these you know, these specific fungi. There's a company called Ecovative. I know they're using the pretty tough fungi like reishi and turkey tail. They're using the mycelium to make building materials and packing materials. They basically grow the mycelium in molds as opposed to the mushroom kits like in the bags. They grow them in molds and after that they cook them and the mycelium dies and it's just a dense biodegradable uh, alternative than styrofoam. Right, it's pretty uh, pretty resilient stuff, and you can just throw it outside in your garden, and it'll break down. And all those nutrients, like I mentioned, that are locked up in the mycelial tissue, just get redistributed into your into your garden, into your landscape. And uh, there's another company called Mycoworks. They're they made mushroom leather, and so they're I think they're using reishi to make mushroom leather, and it looks like real leather. I haven't actually gotten a piece of the material yet, and I think they're a pretty young company. Um, but what they're doing is is crazy with materials. I think, like if you see Paul Stamets, he's always wearing his little mushroom hat. But, uh, sure. I can't remember what it's from. I think it's from the Garricon mushroom, I think, one of those ones that grow off a tree. Yeah, you know, they made it into, uh, or someone made it into that. They basically, uh, like you can make paper out of it. You just grind it up and boil it into a pulp and then put it back together. And, you it's know. a young company and it just... It seems like young industries are going to come of this, you know, because the tensile strength of the the materials and the building materials, like you keep mentioning Paul Stamets, the, the second time he was on Joe Rogan, that's a couple hours of just gold. That's an amazing podcast to listen to. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he's got a lot of, and it kind of, it touches on all, he touches on a whole bunch of different subjects and aspects of mycology and also the edge of where it's at because that's kind of where a lot of us, you know, like some of those guys are on the edge, um, finding new mushroom species, new uses for them, new cultivation techniques. And it's because of us, like all the cultivators, like if you start learning this stuff, you're already contributing to the science itself. And uh, it used to be like a coveted science where it's kind of secretive and stuff, but uh, not anymore. You know, a lot of things are, you know, like open source, I guess you can say, where you know, everyone could just learn it. Right, and, and the tricky part is, you know, where do I start? Right, and like I mentioned, get a mushroom kit and follow the directions. You'll have mushrooms. Like that's the easiest way to start. And then you'll get curious and then you'll start looking into different, different things to grow, right? But as always, you know, be careful. Just and be mindful. Always mention that to people. Yeah. You just recently offered a course at the San Antonio Botanical Garden yeah. for the, you know, entry level cultivator somebody that's looking to do this uh where can they find you next right now i don't have anything lined up in the near future yet but my next cultivation class is at the Cibolo nature center in bernie and that one is in june and then what's the next one then i have one in the fall again at the san antonio botanical gardens in september right but i'll be having some mycology walks and I'll be setting up some more cultivation classes uh, here in the spring. They're just not on the schedule right now. Thank so, you. And you can find those on my Facebook page and also at michaelbody.com. Yeah.
And what's the Facebook page? Is it just the fa face? Everything's Michael Buddy. <laughs> okay. So yeah, M Y C O B U D D Y. So that's uh, Facebook, Instagram, website. Yep. Email is Lewis at MichaelBuddy.com. So keep it simple. <laughs> and what are your future plans? Are you, you, you hoping to maybe go to school and dive even deeper into this and become one of these pioneers on the cutting edge? Or <laughs> do you just just happy to kind of tinker in a basement like a Frankenstein? I kind of um, like the uh, kind of little mad scientist kind of style <laughs> in a way. But yeah, I, did, and I, did, I went to school for a little bit. But um, if anything, you know, I probably, I got a little bit of GI Bill left that I may use up and, uh, you know, learn a couple things um, but I am uh, what I'm really doing is uh, you know, keeping it simple for now but really what uh, what I want to do is I have a uh, an operation where it's kind of all like ecological like operation to where um, you know the kind of permaculture uh, design along with fungi but also producing fungi for uh, for like the market and then also you know growing plants and I really just want to keep it simple honestly right and just teach people the basics you know because really you know you know brilliance in the basics because once you get that down you I'm not going to be the I don't know if I'm going to be the one to make the next discovery but someone that I teach may you know and I seen somebody that I taught in one of the actually the class that you were at yes. he's up in he's up in the Austin and he was leading a class and like that's exactly what I'm trying to do so really uh, just trying to you know just inspire people and be like hey no one needs to tell no one's telling you not to do stuff just just go and do it and just go and learn it but also be careful because I know people want to like try and grow certain things uh, be very careful with that and uh, yeah it's mostly just growing plants and mushrooms and just keeping it chill is really that's my like goal um, but and by doing that but also teaching from that you know medicinal plants, sacred plants, you know, because they are, um, there's some that are sacred and they're very, they're uh, important to me, right? Because I've worked with some of them and they, they've helped me uh, along the way. They've been allies in my journey to do this and to share this and everything like that. So, yeah. Well, thank you for spending some time with us and, yeah, and sharing uh, more of your knowledge. Uh, I mean, certainly from firsthand experience, it was great in the class and uh, I hope more people are finding you and coming back and this is the kind of program we would like to see in town and I'm glad you're out there doing this. Cool. Thank you. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for coming in. Awesome. Thank you.